Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warriors Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 31 years. Wow, that's a long time, 15,000 surgeries. And you know what? Every day, I don't take it lightly, but having all that experience, I don't care what you do for a living, you do something 15,000 times, you get good at it and you start to develop a sixth sense. I love to sculpt in marble. People always ask me, how could you see the figure that's trapped in the stone and chisel away the exterior of the block of stone and see that figure inside? Well, 15,000 surgeries, if you tell me your knee hurts, your hip hurts, your shoulder hurts, yes, I can actually feel the skin on the outside of the joint and in the same way I sculpt in marble, see the inside of the joint. Sounds crazy to even say it, but that's what happens when you operate and act as a surgeon for so long. It's awesome. I'm so excited for today's show. My guest is calling in from North Carolina. Her name is Tanya Pictor, and she started a company that makes socks. Thanks to the great Jared Abrams, who tracked her down. She's our guest today, and we're going to talk about the whole world of socks, which is near and dear to all of us. It's a fascinating subject the more I got into it, because we wear socks for many reasons. We wear them to protect us, for warmth, for style, comfort. But I believe there's more going on than we see on the surface, and it made me think all week about the topic of socks in art, in sports, and in surgery. Sounds crazy, but once again, here we are meeting again on a Saturday talking about a crazy topic. Coach John Wooden, who most people would agree is the greatest coach of sports, certainly in college, but probably of all time, his pyramid of success. And we've talked about John Wooden a lot on this show over these 10 years, but not, not in this way because John Wooden actually used the idea of socks for power. Yes, it was to make sure his players didn't get blisters. Yes, it was to make sure that they understood from the bottom up how to get dressed. But to me, it was his way of saying to these McDonald's All-Americans, I mean, how do you tell Bill Walton, I'm gonna teach you about basketball when he's already the greatest basketball player in his area. How do you tell Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you need me as a coach because you're seven feet tall and you think you can beat everybody, but you need me to teach you. John Wooden was smart enough to say, hey buddy, 
You don't even know how to put your shoes and socks on. You need me as your coach for even the basics. Forget about basketball. And in a minute, you're going to hear sound bites from his players, Marcus Johnson and the like, talking about how much they remember that first day at practice where Coach John Wooden taught them how to put their shoes and socks on properly. It's all about power, the whole idea of socks and sports, certainly at UCLA basketball with John Wooden. What about in art? You know how much I love the world of art, the world of surgery, and the world of sports. In art, the most famous, in my opinion, area where socks were prominent was in the movie in 1983 with Tom Cruise, his breakout movie. He's still a teenager when he's making this movie. It's that scene in Risky Business where he slides into the center of the field dancing to Bob Seger's It's Only Old Time Rock and Roll. But that whole business of him sliding, in the case of John Wooden, socks represented teaching, power, I'm in charge. In the case of socks and art, that scene came about because Tom Cruise, still a teenager, telling the writer-director, Brickman, Hey, trust me, I'm going to ad lib here to make this a better movie. Even though I'm only 19 years old, you got to trust me. The freedom to slide, the freedom to actually create that scene, and you're going to hear a soundbite of Tom Cruise talking about it. It launched his career. He's, I think his movies have sold over $4 billion. He's one of the most successful actors of all time. But it's because with a kid who's dyslexic, no less, was not going to college, didn't take any drama classes. His freedom and the respect that the directors had for him to take over is represented in that scene in Risky Business. There's a case where socks represent the opposite of what John Wooden's doing in terms of power. It represents freedom. And I love it. In medicine, when you cut your tendon, you're slicing a bagel in the kitchen and you slice through the skin and you cut your flexor tendon and we have to repair it. We'll get into Jared Goff, by the way, is our clapper vision, uh, which I have a great one for you. But when you repair a tendon that's been sliced, once again, you got to ask for two things that are opposite. Just like John Wooden seeing socks as power and Tom Cruise seeing it as freedom, when you put stitches in a flexor tendon, it needs to heal. Well, it's not gonna heal if you continue to let it move because the stitches will pull apart and you will have a failed repair of a flexor tendon. So you actually need to immobilize someone's hand after they cut their flexor tendon. But if you keep them immobilized in a cast for too long, guess what's gonna happen? You're never gonna bend your finger again. So here's a beautiful case where you're asking for movement and at the same time you need to immobilize it for the right amount of time so it can heal. Every time I do an anterior cruciate ligament knee surgery, I've gotta really put you in a brace because I need it to heal. The graft needs to heal. 
But if I put you in that brace for too long and don't let you move it, you're never going to bend your knee again. The challenge in life of the opposites, when we want the opposite to occur at the same time, we want movement and we want to not make movement so it can heal and yet we don't want a stiff joint. It's a fascinating idea that socks represent. They, pre they represent protection, I get that, but they represent freedom and at the same time control. Clapper Vision will do of Jared Goff and why will he be able to play in a couple of weeks after a fractured dislocation of his thumb? I'll do a separate segment, I think, for it when I open the clinic, and it'll, it will involve how your thumb works. Look at your thumb right now, palms up, and watch your thumb go right across the palm of your hand, just like here's the Clapper Vision, a windshield wiper going right across the windshield. If any of you are driving right now, put the windshield wiper on, clean your windshield, and just look at how that windshield goes right across the windshield. Now look at the, the palm of your hand, palms up. Look at your thumb. It's literally like the windshield wiper going across the windshield. And Jared Goff's fracture dislocation is that mechanism, that hinge that anchors the windshield wiper to the bottom of your windshield. We'll get into more of that clapper vision, though, a little bit later. But let's get right into today's show, The Sound Bites. I want you to hear about John Wooden, the legendary UCLA coach who won more championships. This record will never be broken. But listen to Marcus Johnson. He played for John Wooden from 1974 to 1977, as well as listening to Doug McIntosh a decade earlier from 64 to 66. Listen to how they talk about John Wooden and the power of socks in sports. Let's go to number one. He really taught us uh, the, the basics in every facet of the game. It started with putting on your socks. Cotton on the inside, put that on first, smooth it out very carefully, make sure there's no bubbles in it, uh, and then put on a heavy wool sock over it. There was no, no uh, room for, for them to get wrinkled underneath your feet so you get blisters, but also how to tie your shoe. And how about tying the shoes, which is the, the shoe is what connects you to the basketball floor. But what touches your skin that connects you to the shoe is the socks. Number two. His main concern with uh, doing our shoes was to avoid blisters. And it's funny because I have a 12-year-old that I, <laughs> I just had to, you know, re-instruct for the 20th time on how to tie his shoe. Lace them up from the bottom up, make sure there's no slack. You know, his, his shoes always come loose during the game. Dude, dude, tie your shoes up. So he started just tying them haphazard. I said, no, no, no. You got to start at the bottom, pull each shoestring up two at a time, tight, 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 all the way to the top. And I thought about that. I didn't say it to him, but that's the way Coach Wooden taught us. And with all due respect to Marcus Johnson, and Doug McIntosh talking about the blisters. But trust me, there's more going on here than protecting you from blisters. It's because he's a teacher and the best ever. And he's using socks to make it clear you need to listen to me in every facet of the game. Remember what he said, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. It's all about preparation in every aspect of life. He was a teacher of life, not just of basketball. 
This next soundbite is Sue Enquist. She was the UCLA softball coach. One day it occurs to her, he's a teacher. He's more than a coach. Number three. Coach never wanted to be considered a coach. He said, I'm a teacher. And that inspired me to want to be more like a teacher and not a yeller. Preparation was the bedrock on which Coach Wooden built his success. In his pregame speeches, he never spoke of victory. Rather, he evoked confidence. His team had already done the hard work leading up to the game in practice. Exactly. That's what socks represent in sports to the great John Wooden. It's another example of preparation. Now listen to Jamal Wilkes, who played for Coach Wooden from 71 to 74. And then you'll also hear Roy Williams, who just idolized, he's the North Carolina coach, idolizes everything that John Wooden did. But it's all about the preparation. And you'll even hear Roy Williams talk about the socks again when he talks about preparation. He understands there's more going on here than just what's between your shoe and your skin of your feet. Number four. He simplified everything so that you could do it just by how he defined it and got you to buy into his definitions. Coach Wooden, whether it's trying to make sure you know how to put your socks on to prevent blisters, prevent missed practice time, to what to do with three seconds to go and you've got the ball out of bounds on the sideline. You know, and I think being prepared, uh, that, was, that was the story of Coach Wooden's life, in my opinion. He was already a legend already won nine championships by the time 1975 came along. But in 1975, the stars left the team. Jamal Wilkes is leaving. Bill Walton has left. He loses his two point guards as well. And everybody's always said, just like a Phil Jackson, hey, it's not difficult to win when you've got the best players playing for you. But in 1975, that's when he actually realizes, I'm going to, if I win with these guys, a bunch of no names, then all this preparation that I talk about and the teaching that I do, it's not just winning with superstars. I'm winning with the everyday player. He wins in 1975. It's the greatest team that he'll, you'll hear him talk about it. He can't believe he's won a championship with these guys. But that's when he actually realizes, I'm right. It's all about preparation. It's all about those socks. Let's listen to number five. We had lost two superstars from the team the year before, Bill Walton and, and Keith Wilkes, and they were superstars. And we'd also lost our starting guards that had been our starting guards for two years. Now we lost four starters. And uh, how are you going to come back and win with just one returning? And I think I learned as I went along. I think each year I was learning something that helped me in some aspect of the game to be a better coach. I, I really honestly feel that I was a better coach the last year I coached than I was the year before. But the year before, I think I was a better coach than I was the year before and so on. Let's go to number seven. Playing without the superstars of previous years, the 1975 UCLA Bruins managed to win a 10th NCAA championship under Coach Wooden. Of all his teams, John Wooden was the proudest of this squad, a group of true underdogs. Unlike previous years, this team had to scratch and claw their way to victory, with numerous wins decided within the final moments. A testament to the preparation the players received, setting them up for success. In his case, 
Socks means preparation. Number eight. This final championship served as an example of Wooden's remarkable success as a leader. People think leadership is holding that championship trophy. And uh, what Coach knew was everything that you received in the limelight was because you did something behind the scenes to make that a reality. He was getting the award as the greatest coach ever. What does he say? He pointed to the boys and said, actually, they deserve the credit. I just like to think I helped. Mm. It's, uh, it isn't until this team wins in 1975 that he actually realizes I'm right. It's been all about preparation all along. Teaching them how to put their socks on. Yeah, the blisters is an argument that you can make. But it's for the reasons that he's held true all along, that he's fundamentally a teacher. And he can teach anybody how to be victorious. 15 minutes before he leaves the locker room, going to celebrate with his players who've now just won, he now realizes, I'm done. If I can win it with these guys, I was right. It is all about the socks. Finally, number nine. 15 minutes before I decided to retire, I didn't know I was going to retire. I went to the dressing room, congratulated my players on a fine game. I said, I want you to know how proud I am of you. You gave me no problem on or off the court all year long. And that's a pretty nice thing to say about the last team you'll ever coach. Their faces dropped. Ducky almost fainted. My assistants almost fainted. The director tried to spend most of the night talking me out of it. Came as a complete surprise, but we should, because it was a surprise to me. I have no regrets. I knew I was leaving outstanding material for whoever would follow me. And just one of those crazy things, it was the right time. It was the right time. Coach John Wooden, he even knew how to end his career the right way. It's all about the socks to me and the preparation. In the world of art, the socks, it's got to be risky business. We'll be playing that Bob Seger song. You can go on YouTube and look at that scene, but we'll get into it. Tom Cruise in Risky Business, the power of socks, the freedom of socks. That's today's topic on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Posts. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow, your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better. Hello there. With the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. You're not going to leave me alone, are you? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Grand Poobah, the Big Kahuna. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. 
Welcome, Rockin. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. You're listening to Bob Seger, that old-time rock and roll. The significance of that song is that's how Tom Cruise enters the scene in one of the most iconic scenes in movie history. This 19-year-old kid sliding in front of us in his underwear and socks. The fact that the writer of this movie and the director, Paul Brickman, allows him the free reign to design the scene is amazing to me. The freedom he gives this young actor, because Tom Cruise demanded that freedom, launched his career to the stratosphere. Since today's topic is all about socks, in the case of John Wooden, the power that it represents. For me, Tom Cruise, yes, it's power, taking control of the movie making, but it's the freedom that he was given. Let's listen to how that scene was put together by the teenager himself, Tom Cruise. Let's go to number one. I just ad-libbed that. We just went through it. Yeah, I did. He showed me the opening frame and the composition. He goes, look, how, you know, and I tried to go across at one point and it was too sticky. So what I did was, is I dusted the floor and then put stick on the other side so that I would get center frame on that. And then I wore the socks and then that's how I finally did it to figure out how to get that smooth right on, right on the beat kind of flow that that got me there. And then, and then I just went around the room and, and, and was dancing. And I just, I mean, that's something that I did as a kid at home. Isn't that incredible? He's not sliding into the scene barefoot. He's not sliding into the scene with shoes on. It's with socks and buffing the floor so that you slide and then stick them so that you end literally in the center of the scene. It's a genius idea playing that Bob Seger music. Tom Cruise and his career, those socks and that freedom And that one scene tells you everything about him. But now I want you to listen to more about the career of this young guy and how those socks and that freedom are emblematic of who he is as an actor. Let's go to number two. You screen tested for this, obviously. No. No? No, we just taped. It's just like a little taping like one of these cameras here. Really? What did they have you do? Uh, well, I was I was doing the outsiders at the time, and I I only had this is my last free time before, you know. I told him I I wouldn't come in to tape for it, and uh, so I flew in late on a Thursday night, and I taped early, like five o'clock in the morning. I met Rebecca on a Friday, and then I had to fly out a couple hours later because I had to work all Friday night. We just got together. I mean, I I came in, I, you know, I still had like my tattoo on my arm and tooth all chipped. My hair is just kind of back. A little greasy and stuff and uh mm. it's the freedom that the director gave him and he when he's being here this is not way back in 1983 this interview he's 19 years old but the director paul brickman gives him the freedom number three i just explained to paul brickman what i was going to do physically with the character um just so i mean he could see you know where I was going, my instincts and the choices of the scene, and then visually, you know, I told him would play a big part in the character. So just, I told him, just relax, you know. <laughs> the confidence 
Tom Cruise has. He knows this is what he wants to do. He's taken his career seriously from the moment he starts as a teenager. Number four. And uh, how many fellas did he look at? Do you have any idea? I thought I was the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you were. <laughs> yeah, I guess they, they saw a couple thousand, something like that. They really uh, saw a lot of people. You wanted the part badly? Well, I was going to do Rumblefish if I didn't do Risky Business. I was offered Rumblefish. Francis Ford Coppola uh, directed that. And I, I was really interested in it, in Risky Business. He's beaten out over 2,000 people who are auditioning for this role. Like, no big deal. The confidence that he exudes. To be able to tell the director, this is the way we're going to do it. I'm going to wear socks. That's how I'm going to get the freedom to slide. Fascinating. But his background, he's dyslexic. He ain't going to college. This is what he knows he's going to do with his life. He's 19 years old when he's being interviewed. It's amazing. Number five. You have, Tom, pretty much learned your craft by doing it. In other words, you have not gone to college. You opted not to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess you have not been to drama coaches or drama classes, have you? No. So no, I did one workshop just for a couple months in New York, and that was it. So you're learning by doing. I've been fortunate. I mean, I've been working with really good people, so... I, I listen and I watch and I just learn, pick up little tricks as they're going along. And once again, this career of his starts because of an orthopedic injury in wrestling. He realizes I can't wrestle anymore. What else can I do? And he acts in a high school play. But he also realizes he has a tremendous disadvantage because he's dyslexic. He can't really read and absorb what's in the book. So he's going to have to learn visually. He's going to have to do something with his life that doesn't require him reading a book. And in his case, it's acting. Number six. I injured myself in wrestling. It was my senior year. I was living in New Jersey at this point uh, for about a year. And all of a sudden, I felt it just felt right. It felt like something I wanted to do. I'm dyslexic in a structured education for five, six more years was not something I was looking forward to college, so I was going to take time off anyway and just uh, travel around, around the country, around the world, just kind of hang out. Mm. And finally, number seven. What do directors, uh, how do they direct? Do, do they work with you a lot or do they pretty much give you rain? Yeah, they leave me alone. <laughs> That's... I mean, a director, uh, a good director will listen, you know, and trust his artists after casting them. Um, I've been fortunate. I've really had a lot of room with the directors that I've worked with, um, with, you know, Paul Brickman and Francis and Becker and, and Chapman. <clears throat> but especially Brick, he really trusted me. And, I mean, he wrote and, and was directing the film, Risky Business on Paul Brickman. And... I mean, it was like we were working on a level of, of not even verbal. It was, it was fantastic. I would argue that he's only going to work with a director that's going to give him that freedom. The freedom to slide across the stage wearing socks. Here's an interview from 1983. The movie is just coming out. And the biggest talk show host of the time is Merv Griffin. 
who started Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, by the way. He was a TV genius, Merv Griffin. But here he is talking to Tom Cruise about, you're a young kid, you just started your career, and look at you, you're everywhere. His success was immediate, but he also felt fortunate and lucky. But you can realize it has nothing to do with luck. It's because of his commitment and hard work. Number eight. It hasn't been a long, hard, tough climb to success for you, has it, Tom? Boy, I, every day I pick up the papers, there's something about Tom Cruise in there going on. No, sir, there, you know, three years, I've been really lucky. Is it, do you, do you uh, claim luck in, in all of it? Well, yeah, I feel very fortunate. I mean, there's a lot of good young actors out there. Yeah. And it just seems that I, you know, got the opportunities and just took the best of each opportunity, though. But uh, I do feel very fortunate. He has that freedom. Number nine. This new picture, I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen all of the ads for it. Yes. And it's gotten great reviews, and you particularly. It's, uh, I can tell what the ads are about. It's uh, the family leaves on a vacation, and yes, the sir. son takes over his first burst of freedom. Yeah, that's the storyline, but it's an interesting film because it's very stylish, and it's dealing on so many different levels. I mean, you tell people the storyline, and yet... That's really not what the film is about. I mean, the young man is, uh, he's feeling the pressure of society about, you know, going to the best school, making a lot of money, having the best job. And uh, he meets this call girl, uh, high-priced call girl, and she's a metaphor for capitalism. Hmm. I think that's where the depth comes from. Him as an actor seeing that it's more than just a kid breaking out in life as a teenager. You can already, again, he's 19 when he's talking here, but you can feel the depth in his character. And finally, number 10. And she kind of acts as a catalyst in his life and pushes him forward into the world of capitalism where he, uh, he explores making money and, you know, just kind of the ins and outs of that. Any of it relate to your own personal life growing up, Tom? Um, yeah, a lot or of were it. you the a kid is perfect kid? Well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Not tell the truth. <laughs> Well, it's uh, halfway through the film, the kid starts taking a lot of chances, and he kind of makes a uh, big transition. And I guess that's a lot like me, because uh, I took a lot of chances in my life. He takes a lot of chances. Sliding in socks, the freedom to be able to do it. The freedom and the power. It's a fascinating subject, and it's not just socks. And at 8.15, we're going to learn about the sock business, because it is more than just protecting your feet. There's more going on here. Let's open up the clinic. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar sinai head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. 
Ed Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Oh, my God. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Wafogato. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles if Lakers. you see me walking down the street and I start to cry, each time we meet. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Great Dion Warwick singing Walk On By, because we're talking about socks. That's the topic, the metaphor, what connects your skin to the planet Earth. Socks. Fascinating subject in sports, in art, and certainly in my world of surgery. The number is 877-710-3776 or 877-710-ESPN. The clinic will be open. I want to do some clapper vision first. But before I go into the clinic, there's an incredible example of socks and the power of socks, the freedom of socks. It comes from the sports world. In the 1912 Olympics, they were held in Stockholm, Sweden. Think of America more than 100 years ago. Representing America in the Stockholm Olympics was an American Indian, a Native American, Jim Thorpe, the greatest athlete, many people believe, of the 20th century. He's now representing in track and field the United States of America. And he's such a superior athlete that the other Olympians from other countries recognize already that this guy is going to beat everybody. And the only way one of these other athletes realizes he's going to beat him is if he steals his shoes, steals his cleats, right before the event. Jim Thorpe was such a good athlete. He's competing in something called the decathlon and the pentathlon. The decathlon is 10 events, long jump, high jump, the 100-yard dash, all of those things, 10 of them. And in the pentathlon, it's five of them. One of the events is the javelin throw. And ironically, you know, a Native American, you would think, just because of the history we're taught, using a bow and arrow, using a spear. Ironically, the one event Jim Thorpe has never done in his life is the javelin throw, throwing a spear. He doesn't learn how to do it until he shows up in Stockholm, Sweden, and realizes this is one of the events. And he still beats everybody. But the best is the photograph, the black and white photograph taken of him, because there's no color photography in 1912. It's in Wikipedia. You can check it out. There he is standing with his Olympic uniform on, having won the gold medal in the pentathlon and the decathlon. He destroys everybody. And the, the, the record lasts for almost 20 years. No one comes along who could even come close to him for two decades. 
but the photograph shows he's wearing cleats, but they're cleats that he got out of the garbage can because he his cleats were stolen, sabotaged by the competitors, figuring that's the only way they can beat him. So he goes into the garbage bin and pulls out a left and a right pair of shoes that someone has discarded, junk. The problem is one shoe is too big and the other shoe is too small for him. So what does he do? The shoe that's too, the cleats, the shoe that's too big for him, he puts on two pairs of socks so that it fits better. The other shoe, too small, there's no socks. You gotta look at this picture. It'll blow you away. And that smile on his face, that you may be able to take away my cleats and I've gotta use discarded cleats from the garbage bin. But that, that grin on his face tells it all. I'll use some socks and that'll make that shoe fit better. Let's listen to a soundbite, two soundbites from an analysis. Simon Whistler is his name, talking about the great Jim Thorpe and the 1912 Stockholm Olympics. Number 10. Jim Thorpe arrived in Stockholm for the fifth Olympiad, having qualified in four different events, the decathlon, long jump, pentathlon, and the high jump. He won gold in the now-defunct events of the pentathlon, winning four of the five events, long jump, discus throw, sprints, and wrestling. The only one he didn't win was the javelin, but had never competed in that before he showed up to the Olympics. Nevertheless, despite this, he finished third. That same day, he finished fourth and seventh in the individual events of the long jump and the high jump, respectively. And number 11. And we should probably mention that shortly before it was his turn to compete, someone stole his shoes. He managed to find some more in a garbage bin. They were different sizes and didn't fit perfectly, but he made it work by wearing extra socks on the one foot to make up for the ample room in the shoe. But what he is truly remembered for was his performance in the decathlon. He destroyed the competition, setting a new record of 8,412.955 points that would stand for 15 years for 15 years, actually close to 20. Here's a photograph showing you the power, the freedom, and the success that socks can bring you, even when they try to sabotage you. The metaphor is huge. Before I get into more clap revision, we'll take a call. Someone named Chris is on the line. Chris, how can I help? This is Dr. Clapper. Hey, Dr. Clapper, I just want to acknowledge you. I build professionals based on the brand development and story. And to take the mundane, such as socks, and <laughs> craft a whole show around it has been extraordinary to talk about. Contrast <laughs> like you're doing from immobilization is still needing movement. And, um, you know, I just retired my favorite pair of socks from a 2010 Ironman literally a month ago, and I cherished those specific socks because they never caused me blisters, and I could rely on them for, you know, all 116 miles of an Ironman. That's and, right. Uh, you know, for you to create a whole journey around socks and to build heroes inside of socks, 
you you know you start off the show talking about a little Michelangelo discovering the stone from the marble, and I give you full poetic license now to do your thing. You're a, you're extraordinary. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got a big smile on my face just hearing the words. I appreciate it. And let me tell you, I get up early Saturday mornings knowing that there's people like you listening. It's sometimes a little deep to connect these dots, but you're going to know every Saturday, the topic may be unusual, but if you hang in there, we will together connect the dots about the meaning of life. Thanks so much for the phone call. I really appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you. Keep doing it, Dr. Clapper. Happy Uh, 2021. You too. This is going to be an amazing year. I appreciate it immensely. I appreciate all of you and telling your friends, telling your family. It's really just sweet. It really uh, makes my heart swell just to hear things like that. Thanks so much. Let's do some clap revision, though, about Jared Goff before we leave this segment. Right now, I need you to look at that mechanism that anchors the windshield wiper to the bottom of the windshield. Look now, palms up at your thumb and have your thumb go across the palm. Now look at your windshield wiper as it goes across the windshield. The clapper vision is the windshield is your palm. The windshield wiper is your thumb. Look at that incredible, we call it opposition. That's what your thumb can do. To hold a hammer, you need power grip. You need that thumb to come across the palm and lock in with your pinky finger. That's power grip. But in order to hold a pencil, we call that fine grip. That's your thumb sweeping across the palm to the index finger for light touch so that you can use a pen or a pencil. Um, That ability to sweep across the palm is critical. So when Jared Goff makes a throw and hits the top of the helmet, of the defender, just like Drew Brees did last year. Ironically, the same surgeon, the great Dr. Steve Shin from Cedars, fixing both of them, both Drew Brees and Jared Goff. But in essence, the clap revision is someone came along and pulled the windshield wiper and tried to pull it off your windshield while your car was parked, while you were shopping or whatever. How else can it get broken like that? So that rotational mechanism and hinge that anchors the windshield wiper to the bottom of the windshield is how your thumb sits on the trapezius bone, the bones that are inside your wrist. That's where the fracture and the dislocation occurs. That base of your thumb needs rotation as well as it needs that ability to come across the palm, the windshield wiper come across the windshield. Well, if you were to crack that hinge, that anchoring of the windshield to the the windshield wiper to the windshield, then if you turn on the windshield wiper again, the very thing mechanism that rotates the windshield wiper is going to actually, because it's not anchored anymore, pull it apart every time the windshield wiper moves. That's what's going to happen when you fracture, crack the base of the thumb, every one of those tendons that allows you to move like a joystick, your thumb in all these different directions, just like a a joystick watching a video game, you're actually gonna be displacing and pulling apart those bony fragments every time you use it. And that's why he had to have surgery the same day to get screws in there to anchor the fracture fragments back 
because those tendons were going to continue to pull it apart even more. You need the bones to be lined up to give the joint stability in order for it to heal. And we're able to use something called an internal brace, which Dr. Shin is really at the forefront of using. And that is why, get ready, they're going to make the playoffs. You're going to see Jared Goff as quarterback during the playoffs of this season, which is remarkable. All right, coming up next, we have to talk about this cold weather and soup. My favorite soup, where you can get it. Because you need that hot, hot dish on a cold, cold morning, particularly when I go surfing, which has been unbelievable this week. My favorite soup and where to get it. Coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. From now on, I am not Robert Clapper. I want you to call me Smokey. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Dr. Smokey Clapper. That's the greatest. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's the great Jackson Brown. Why is Steve Follette playing Jackson Brown? Because the song is called Running on Empty. And when you run, you better be wearing some socks. Except if you're from Kenya and your name is Kip Kano, and you can destroy the world record by running the marathon in bare feet. But for the rest of us, wearing socks is a good idea. Running on Empty. Fantastic topic, and I appreciate all of you listeners, and I appreciate the kind words from Chris. Wow. Well, this week, I got my vaccine and got my test for COVID, and I'm negative because I now, as a surgeon, as a doctor, see a lot of patients. I've done a couple of patient surgery now who had COVID, were now negative, and now I was able to operate on them. Um, and I'm working in a surgery center doing sports cases, outpatient cases. And let me tell you, there's plenty of snow out there because I am raining anterior cruciate ligament tears. So it's really be safe out there with those parallel skis because already I'm seeing more ligament tears in knees than, uh, than I'd like to, uh, in the midst of this pandemic, but you tear your ACL, you're going to have to fix it. It's very rare and probably unlikely that you can live happily ever after if that's the ligament that you tore in your knee. Um, but I did make an observation this week when I got my, my shot, my 
COVID vaccine. Because as soon as it was placed, and God bless Brian Croft at Cedars and Jennifer Blaha for getting people like me into Harvey Morse Auditorium to get my shot. But when I got my shot, immediately a Band-Aid was put on my arm to prevent bleeding, which is great. But I kept the Band-Aid on. And the Band-Aid material is a lot like the material that the K-Tape is. It's this elastic canvas-like material, which is designed to have a little patch. I mean, that's what a Band-Aid really is, is a dressing so that you've made a puncture site, a shot, and that now you don't get blood all over your clothes, all over yourself. That's what a Band-Aid does. But I left the Band-Aid on. It's still actually on for a few days. It's still on my arm. And I started to realize that it's behaving a little bit like K-tape. So here's another example in life where the design of the Band-Aid is to essentially stop bleeding from a wound. But there's a second benefit that we didn't realize, and that I'm only realizing now, which is by squeezing the skin, which has nerve fibers that, that give you position sense or give you the sense of light touch versus deep touch, other functions of a nerve, position sense. That's what K-tape does. I bet you Band-Aids also, like K-tape, give you less pain from a wound, from a shot, because of how the Band-Aid itself is squeezing the skin. Here I'm thinking a Band-Aid is only serving one function, which is just to make sure you don't bleed all over yourself, but actually that adhesive material on your skin may play a huge role in pain relief. So my advice is if you do get a shot or when you get your shot, leave the Band-Aid on for a few days. You may find that you have a lot less throbbing and pain over that vaccine site. At least I did, and I'm convinced that that's what happened. Let's talk about soup. It's cold. I've been surfing all this week. I took the week off between Christmas and New Year's. Been getting up and driving at 4.30 in the morning. And the temperature in my truck has said 37 degrees. By the time I get to the parking lot to get into my wetsuit, all right, maybe it's 40 degrees. It's still pitch black and dark, and it is cold. But it's funny, once I see those waves, and we've had great surf this week, gigantic surf. I have to tell you about my day last Sunday. I'll tell you now. The waves were so big coming out of the south. The current, strong but not crazy. And I paddled, and I paddled way out beyond the waves, crashing. And they were big. I start paddling for this one wave. And as I'm getting speed to catch up to the speed that's coming through the water to make this wave, I look down and what I could see is the water literally being sucked, 
straight up off of the reef. I never really paid attention to that before, but in this swell this week, that's what I saw. And then you realize, how else is this apartment building size wave going to appear and become vertical? It's got to suck the water off of the reef to come straight up so that you can actually make the wave. I felt like I was looking at a suction machine, like a vacuum cleaner. And yet there's no electricity going on. There's no machinery itself. It's just the natural way a wave is created by suctioning the water off of the reef. It was awesome. And the whole time I'm looking at it, I'm saying to myself, Robbie, you better stop looking and you better start jumping to your feet. Otherwise, you're going to be caught in the middle of this wave. I was out for two hours with my friend Ed and caught only two waves. That's one wave per hour. But it was worth it. Because all week long, I could close my eyes and feel that ride. Can't wait to get out there tomorrow as well. But it was cold when I came in freezing cold and there's nothing like a warm hot bowl of soup to warm you up when you think about it if i were to ask you you could have any soup you want tomato soup chicken noodle soup what's the greatest soup you've ever had for me it's something that i discovered moving to los angeles so many years ago my mouth is watering already. It's tortilla soup. Now, trust me, in New York, we didn't have tortilla soup when I was growing up. We, I didn't even know what a tortilla was. And I always felt that my favorite tortilla soup was at the Kettle in Manhattan Beach. And it's good, trust me. But actually, I think I found a better tortilla soup. In fact, my favorite tortilla soup that I've ever had Nothing warms you up like this soup. A little later, I'm going to tell you where it is that you can get my favorite tortilla soup. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. Some stories about the world of socks. My guest at 815 started the most beautiful sock company. But socks in art, in sports, and in my world of surgery. The great coach John Wooden and Tom Cruise. Yeah, that's what we'll be talking about. Coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Holy emoji, man! Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy slip disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy hamstrings. Along with Doc's clapper vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like follow and enjoy a wise decision the weekend wear facebook page frankly i can think of nothing more stimulating 